Hello, Parent Warrior. Is your child struggling in school? Are their reading problems making them feel like they are not as good as their friends? Maybe their self-confidence is low and they would rather just quit trying altogether. If this sounds like your child, I can help you. I guide parents of children with learning difficulties in taking the right steps toward getting your child the educational supports they deserve so that they are happier and more confident in learning. Let's get on a call. Schedule your free 15-minute consultation today at jessicashields.com. This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mom of four, Jessica Shields. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Parent Them Successful podcast. I am just so honored that you are tuning in to me today. I want to share some information with you to help you with your child who has ADHD. Now, let me share some statistics. According to the CDC, more than 6 million children in the U.S. have this disorder. About a third of those who were diagnosed when quite young, between the ages of two and five, that is a lot. And the CDC also estimates that almost one in 10 children have the disorder today. And that is a much higher number than 20 years ago. And this is when it was at one in 20 children were diagnosed with ADHD. So that's why it's really important for you to know what types of accommodations and what strategies you can ask to be used when talking with your child's teacher. And this will better support them in their learning. And let me tell you, you can apply this to both school and home. So get ready to... Find out what you can be doing to make things better for your child if, if they struggle with ADHD. Because really, ADHD should not hinder your child from being successful. And that's why I will also be sharing those 10 most important accommodations that I always suggest to my parents that will support your child's learning. So stick around for that and also for your loving reminder and your challenge because it is definitely going to bless you. So first, uh, I just want to talk a little bit more on what the uh, Center for Disease Control has posted when it comes to statistics on ADHD. Now, understand that the criteria that doctors use to diagnose this disorder have changed. So uh, on the website, it mentions that they were once limited to kids with hyperactive symptoms. But the definition has expanded to include kids who are primarily inattentive, but do not act out. So this might be your daydreamer or your kid who's in their own head. They're quiet, but they're not paying attention. They're not listening. They forgot what you just asked them to do, but they're not hyper. They're just very inattentive. And that actually, this 
part, the inattentive piece has actually increased the number of girls diagnosed with ADHD. So primarily inattentive ADHD becomes more common with age. And a review, according to CDC, a review of 86 studies that looked at more than 100,000 children in total found that in preschool children, 52% of kids with ADHD have the hyperactivity type. Now, that number drops to 2% in elementary school and down to 14% among adolescents. So meanwhile, the number of kids with inattentive type has risen. Among adolescents with ADHD, 72% are inattentive, inattentive. And that means they don't have the hyperactivity piece. And another type of ADHD is called combined type. Now, these are the kids with this form They have symptoms of both hyperactivity and inattention. It is more common in preschoolers and elementary school children, of course, makes sense. And they make up about 25 to 29% of the children with the disorder. So just wanted to give you a little background there. And I want to go back to why we see certain parts certain types of girls versus boys. So, you know, the condition appears to be much more common in boys than in girls. So in 2018, there was a study of nearly 200,000 children between the ages of four and 17. 14% of boys had been diagnosed with ADHD. And this was compared to just over 6% of girls. And I can say that when I'm working with students in schools, I see the same thing. I get a lot more referrals for boys than I do for girls. Now, here's a key point to keep in mind when you look at gender differences. Of course, boys tend to be more hyperactive than girls in general. Like you've seen hashtag boy mom, you know, they're doing different kinds of activities than girl dads, right? So hyperactive behavior was for some time considered the principal symptom that indicates ADHD. Now, hyperactivity does not mean that your child has ADHD, but it can be uh, a hallmark of ADHD in certain situations. Now, girls with the condition, on the other hand, are inattentive, less likely to act out. They're calmer, but they're spaced out when you're talking. Um, This can make the disorder harder to spot, especially teachers. They're not picking up on uh, what's going on with the girl because the boys are so busy over there that all of their attention goes to the boys. And those are the ones that typically typically get referred the most. So that's something to know. Also, we want to talk about ADHD and race. Now, this is interesting. There are racial differences in the number of kids uh, diagnosed. Now, we're not saying that it's because they actually have it or, you know, we have to look at the diagnosis and who's getting referred. So different studies have come up with different answers for this. So in one example, the CDC conducted a national survey between uh, around 2016-2018, and it reported that 16.9 of non-Hispanic black children between the ages of 3 and 17 had been diagnosed with ADHD. That makes black children the most likely to have the disorder diagnosed compared to non-Hispanic white and Hispanic children. And I say diagnosed because there are sometimes some 
uh, hidden biases that might play into why these particular kids get referred. Another study published in 2021 offers a different picture. The researchers found that 14% of white children had the disorder. This is higher is a higher percentage than both black and Latino children. And this study also included Asian children. So at 6%, this group is by far the least likely to have been diagnosed, uh, have a diagnosis of ADHD. Very interesting. Uh, In 2016, here's another one. Researchers reported that nearly one in five white 10th graders had received a diagnosis of ADHD at some point in their lives. That was almost twice as many black children and five times as many Latino children. And they reached these conclusions after accounting for factors that could have skewed the results, such as gender, household income, whether or not they had health insurance and so forth. So just some things to keep in mind. Now, I I thought it was really interesting. I just wanted to share this piece with you, how socioeconomic factors can affect ADHD. And this is still a big question in the air right now. Experts recognize a link between ADHD and a child's family uh, socioeconomic status. And if we look at the American Psychological Association, APA, it defines uh, this as someone's social class or standing based on their education, income, and occupation. And a good deal of research uh, shows that kids from lower SES or socioeconomic status families are more likely to have the diagnosis of ADHD. And In fact, some studies estimate that kids who grew up in such families are about twice as likely to have ADHD as kids and families that are better off financially. And we can even look at trauma because sometimes trauma is a factor that can come into play and can look like ADHD, but it's actually the trauma that's uh, in, in the home or in that particular environment. So Another thing to look at is sleep. You know, if you have a lot of people living with you, how good are you get? How how often are you getting a good night's rest? Right. So other things to think about. But again, that family structure, that home life, all those play a role. Children of divorce and separated parents, for example, are more likely to live with financial hardship and experience household violence. Studies also have linked both of these to ADHD in children, but the link between ADHD and socioeconomic status is very complex, like I've said before. And so uh, that's just something that's being investigated even more and further uh, looked at. So just to keep those things in mind, as we're thinking about ADHD, and, you know, sometimes it's sleep, I know when I'm working with students and if I get a referral for ADHD, I'm going to ask about sleep and I cannot negate sleep. I've had students tell me that they go to bed at 3 a.m. and wake up at 8. And these are 9 and 10 year olds. So go to bed at 3 a.m., wake up at 8 a.m. on a regular basis because They're up playing video games. They're sneaking and watching TV. They tell me these things. And I'm like, no wonder you're tired at school and you're trying to keep yourself up and you're goofing off in class. You're tired. You can't engage and you're not learning because your brain is exhausted. So those are things that you want to consider when we're thinking about, you know, 
ADHD, is it ADHD or is it something else that's looking like ADHD? So that's for the experts out there. And those are great questions that you can consider as you are questioning or asking questions to the experts who are doing assessments. Now let's talk about strategies and accommodations for your child who does have a diagnosis. It is ADHD and there's no, no other reason. It is what it is. So first, just understand again, children with attention deficit or hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, they do experience more obstacles in their path to success than a a child who doesn't have ADHD. We call that the neurotypical, right? Neurotypical meaning they don't have any disorders uh, like autism, ADHD, syndromes, etc. The symptoms of ADHD Again, are the inability to pay attention, difficulty sitting still, difficulty controlling impulses can make it hard for children with this diagnosis to do well in school. And so that's why it's so important to make sure that your child's school is offering some types of support. And I like to do, I like to see behavioral classroom management and I like AVID trainings, like the organizational training, I think that it should be school-wide. All kids should be learning at a very young age how to maintain their organizational skills. We call this executive functioning. It's that frontal cortex of the brain that helps us regulate our emotions. It helps us organize. It helps us shift from one activity to the next. It does a lot of wonderful things. So take care of that brain. But special education services or accommodations can actually help lessen the effect of ADHD on your child's learning. So here's some ways or some things to really think about as you're talking with school staff. Behavioral classroom management. Now, this approach approach encourages a student's positive behaviors in a classroom. And I'm going to go ahead and say at home, too. Because you can reward them. You can give them a daily report. You can uh, reinforce them for doing the behavior you want them to do. And it discourages their negative behavior and keeps reinforcing the positive behavior. And this is teacher-led and and parent-led at home. And it can be shown to really influence their behavior in a very constructive manner. And it definitely increases their academic engagement. They want to perform for you. They want to do well. They like the feeling of doing well. They like that feeling of reward and it reinforces it. So you get more of what you want. Now, although tested mostly in elementary school, behavior classroom management works at all levels. I've taught middle school and high school. I used it there and it worked just fine. And what I do want to say is, For the teachers that are taking your child's recess and your child has ADHD, that's actually making things worse. They need to get that energy out, find a different consequence. And um, the recess, it it really isn't a win-win situation. Now, it has a negative effect. And so what you want to do instead is you want to focus on the positive, have a consequence, but allow them to maybe even if it's just a partial, a couple of minutes taken, 
but not the entire recess. They really need that time to get out the energy, especially if they have the hyperactivity part or they will get it out during class time. (laughs) So uh, give immediate feedback. It's important to give them immediate feedback when they are on the right track because they have a hard time waiting. Give it right away. Give it often. Give it right away. You'll see behavior change. Reinforce it because, again, they have a hard time waiting. They get distracted. So you have to be in the moment with them as much as possible. And just giving that, wow, I love the way that you helped your um, your friend or you opened the door or you completed all three parts of the homework while you repeat, you completed that part. Wow. Let's see if you can do the next part, you know? So just giving that positive praise, whatever it is they want to work for stickers, whatever it may be. It just has to be very frequent with them and constant and immediate because they have a hard time waiting. So the other piece I talked about AVID, it is just a program that, and it stands for advancement via individual determination And it's just basically it gets kids ready for college, you know, and it helps them learn different skills they'll need to be successful in a post-secondary world. And of course, right now as well. So organizational training, it definitely teaches them time management, planning skills, and ways to keep school materials organized in order to really optimize their learning and reduce those uh, distractions. So being organized helps you to know what's next. It helps you to have a checklist. It helps you to be able to uh, have a management strategy in place. And this can be generalized to tests. Um, It can be generalized to homework. And it definitely helps both younger children and those in their adolescent years and of course adults too. <laughs> but if you're if you're listening and you're thinking about these two management strategies, you know, it does require some training on the teacher's part. It does require counselor t- training, school psychologists. These people have to be trained and they can support. They are your support team. So just know that and and ask for what you want. Now, when we talk about accommodations, maybe your child has a 504 plan. Maybe it's not special education. They just need a few little tweaks in their day to give them opportunity to be successful because they have that diagnosis of ADHD. That's fine. If they have an IEP, which is an individualized education plan, that's special education services, they, also, there is also a space in there for accommodations. So... You can ask for some of these. These are my favorites that I love sharing uh, at meetings with teachers, with parents, what we can do to help this child be successful. So extra time on tests, quizzes, assignments, all of that extra time. It takes them a long time because they get distracted. They need extra time and if you and I don't like time tests, I, I say let's cut out the time test so that they can have the time they need to be accurate versus um, being, you know, getting points off because they didn't go fast enough. Um, number two, instruction and assignments should definitely be tailored to meet their needs. So, for example, if they need to do two questions at a time, everybody else is doing 10, then they need it chunked into smaller sections. 
positive reinforcement and feedback, lots of frequent feedback. We just talked about that. It's also good for them to use technology to assist with tasks. So instead of a lot of writing, handwriting, maybe they can type instead. We've seen that work. One that really works, number five, is allowing breaks or time to move around. Movement breaks, right? Brain breaks, movement breaks. uh, Keep it structured, one, two minutes. Sometimes there are teachers who who will allow children to self-monitor when they feel like they need to stand. And and I, honestly, I've seen teachers do this in staff meetings. They just stand in the back and they're still listening, but it's hard for them to sit for a long time. So same for our kids. We want to give that respect to them as well. Number six, changes to the environment to limit distraction. If a child with ADHD is sitting next to the door, every time the door opens in the classroom, they're going to look, they're going to be distracted. They're going to get up. They're going to go want to answer it as not beneficial to them. They need to be uh, away from all those uh, constant distractions as much as possible. Sometimes having too much on the walls can be a distraction. Sometimes if you have them doing homework in a certain room, that can be distracting. So just think about how to limit those distractions. You want to have a place where there's, uh, you know, fewer distractions in the environment. Number seven, get extra help with staying organized. Maybe someone can be there to check, help them create their checklist and maintain checklists. Uh, If they have notebooks, helping them to keep their papers in order, a place for everything. So again, getting that extra help to stay organized. Number eight, get their attention when giving directions because they're not going to be paying attention. So you have to get their attention. You have to say, oh, this is very important. Highlight this, underline this, or Uh, Johnny, uh, you know, and call their name or say, I'm going to come back to you in one minute. I want you to answer this question. So getting their attention. So these are things, again, you can ask the teacher to do and you can try some of these in the home as well. Number nine, you want to ask for a reduction of the amount of note taking so that they can focus on the learning instead of the writing everything down because, when they're writing, it might be taking them uh, a, a longer time to write or if they're rushing to write. They may not really understand what they wrote later. And so you want to remove those barriers. Lots of note taking is not good for our kids with ADHD. Maybe the teacher can provide the notes to them and then let them just highlight and make make notations so they can focus more on the lesson. And then number 10 is flexible seating. I've seen this in a few classrooms, uh, making sure that they are seated where they need to be in or even preferential seating where you feel like they need to be in order to uh, really be paying attention. Now, flexible seating is more like the wiggle chair, the standing desk, foot rest. Maybe they're a little fidgety and they just need something to do with their feet while they're listening. Uh, Sometimes people need to doodle while they're listening. So whatever it may be to keep, they need to keep their hands or their feet busy. Then you want to advocate for them to have that opportunity. So those are the accommodations that I typically will offer and suggest or recommend when I'm working with parents and uh, educators. So I wanted to share those with you in hopes that some of these will help. Now, by now, I really do hope you're thinking about how you can 
definitely better support your child and advocate for their needs. And I want to give you this challenge. Try one of the strategies you learned. Try it at home. Communicate with your child's teacher about trying some of the strategies in the school setting too. And your loving reminder is that when we work together with our children's educators, our children benefit the most and can have successful outcomes. Well, Parent Warrior, I surely hope this episode has blessed you. And if it has, you know what to do. Follow, subscribe, and don't miss any new episodes. As you're thinking about that loved one, I know you're thinking about somebody because you know somebody's kid who needs a little bit of extra support and love. Go ahead and share this episode. You can share the link, parentthemsuccessful.com. And if you are the type of parent like me and you want more information, you want to be on the email list as I send out helpful tips and and hints and uh, books, go to strongermindsstrongeryouth.com forward slash join the list. I do appreciate you and I thank you so much for listening. So until next time, be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.